welcome to the Deep Waters Podcast. We pray that Christ is at the beginning and end of all we do. May openness and peace mark our discussions. As we engage in conversations about the fresh move of God, may our hearts be drawn to unity. And in all things, may this shape us to look more like you, Jesus. Amen. Now, grab a favorite beverage of yours, whether it's tea or coffee or Gatorade. Orange juice. And pull up your favorite chair, (laughs) maybe your favorite treadmill, (laughs) and enjoy the Deep Waters podcast. Praise God. Praise God. We're doing it. Hi, Jace. How are you? I'm great, Benjamin. <laughs> it's so good to be here. I'm just glad to be with you. Hello, listener. Hi, listener. I'm glad that you're here, too. Yes. Yeah. And we've got a part two of what it means to be a priest. That's right. Last week, we went through the Bible in a glorious jaunt through different um, characters that all embody what it means to be a priest. We talked about being the image of God. Um, that's what we were made to be. And yeah, I feel like it was a bit more biblically, a biblical mm-hmm. argument for why we're priests. Yeah. Last week. That was good. Like a biblical overview of mm-hmm. no argument. That's what it a bad means. Word. Yeah. What, what the priesthood looks like in scripture. It felt like a Bible study. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too. I loved it. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. But I know we did end on um, this idea that we are not only priests when we're at church, you know, in Mm. his presence or, um, you know, focused on, I don't know, like, yeah, like in this like temple space. Right. We're more than that. We're more like a priest is a priest, whether you're in the temple or you're out of it. And so now we want to talk about what it means like what it means to be a priest mm-hmm. the other six days of the week, <laughs> or really like the other yeah. six days and twenty two hours you know <laughs> right. of our lives uh-huh. um, outside of the Sunday service. Yeah, the Did rest I, of it. Yeah, that's great. I'm gonna touch on that pretty good. Yeah, that Incredible. was a good a good little intro recap. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean we talked about, I mean all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so yeah. I just I feel like there was a couple points that I'm like even um how Abraham is to be a blessing to the nations. I think our church mm. the church in general has moved away from just this idea of wanting to be mm-hmm. a pure blessing to everyone around them. Wow. And good. like may we take that into this other 6 days of the week. Mm. May we inter- intercede for the sake of the world like Noah did. Amen. Uh, and may we bring prayer and holy communion into all of our moments like Moses showed us how to do. That's good. Yeah. I, when I was putting the notes together for this, I was thinking of John 15 when Jesus talks about abiding in the Mm -hmm. vine and how we are branches that bear fruit, but I'm not a botanist, but from what (laughs) I know about plants, they don't bear anything if they're not connected to the source, yeah. like the root system, mm-hmm. the trunk or the vine. So just like a branch laying on the ground isn't going to grow an apple. 
Especially if it's not an apple tree. But <laughs> <laughs> like that's a pine tree, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but I, I use the words we want to be abiding in all of these other spheres of life. Like it's, uh, I think it's easier for us to understand what it means to abide during a worship service because I'm plugged in. I'm consciously mm-hmm. there pouring out my praise to the Lord. What does it mean to abide when... You're at home. Yeah. Going to bed, you know, and you're like nighttime or morning time routine Mm -hmm. Uh, and not just the like quiet space you might have with the Lord, Mm. but outside of that, what does it mean to abide in the vine when you're at your workplace? Um, When you're at a coffee shop, grocery store, the movie theater, (laughs) (laughs) at the dinner table with your family, if that is something that you do with your family. I know more and more that's something that our culture doesn't do with our families. Sadly. Sadly. Um, I've talked about that before. I think (laughs) the average family meal lasts 12 minutes anymore today. And 100 years ago, it lasted an hour and a half. Didn't we talk about that in the fasting and feasting Mm -hmm. series? Yeah. I love a good slow meal. Oh, progressive meal. You ever done that? Yeah. Like going from place to place. Yeah. Where you like do one thing Mm -hmm. at one place and then move on. I have a friend that was telling me when they go on dates, they intentionally will like start with the server and say, well, like they usually say, can't start you off with drinks, but then they'll like get their drinks. And then they'll, the next time the server comes, they'll just order the appetizers and then enjoy the appetizers. And then they'll order the meal just to slow it all down. Wow. I like that. I like that too. We try that sometimes, but also life, you know? Also life. Talking about abiding, <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like the Lord has been teaching me this very slowly over the last 10 years. Mm. Um, so much so that I feel like the word abide just shows up in my life all the time. Or like even just like with people's advice towards me and like abiding in Christ. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I God's been working on me for a while with that. So I love that we're talking about this today. And I am by no means, you know, have it figured out. But even when you're talking about the difference between, you know, uh, what it means to uh, like abide during like a Sunday service versus abiding in life. It's almost like Sunday service just requires our focus. And so if we're able to like clear our mind and focus on Christ in those moments, like we will be abiding, Mm. but the rest of the time it, it, we have to learn to um, embody, embody Christ wherever we're going. And it's not just a matter of like, I need to think about Jesus and maybe say his name out loud five times a day, but it's like (laughs) actually letting the work of the Holy spirit, um, mature us and sanctify us so that we look more like Christ. And in that sense, as images of God are images of Christ throughout our lives. Wow. That's good. So I feel like that's like it, there's, there's a work that happens. There's a, there's a practice that's there to become more and more like a priest mm-hmm. throughout our weeks. I had a very small, very mundane encounter at a convenience store the other day at Jackson's. I just had to go buy something really quick. And it's a convenience store that's right by um, some low-income housing. There's a lot of um, people experiencing homelessness right around the area. And anyway, I could just tell that the clerk that was helping me was having a hard day. And I remember thinking in my heart and in my head, wow, I just wish that Jesus was with this woman because I think Mm. she could use it. Yeah. 
And then I thought to myself, wow, thanks, Jesus, because I think that's true if I allow it to be true by embodying you in this small interaction. That's powerful. And I like, I, I mean, I just very gently in a one minute conversation cheered her up, mm -hmm. you know, it was like told her she was doing a good job and hoped she was well and recognized that her life was probably kind of hard in that job. And I think she really appreciated even being seen and acknowledged as someone who's a person and not just the help. Yeah. You know, totally. it was like my means to get my whatever at the convenience store. Like, so anyway, that's an example of what we want to talk about throughout this whole podcast. How can we make abiding in Christ and embodying Christ practical mm -hmm. in the day to day mundane moments. Absolutely. Yeah. And like how, I mean, it just seems so important with that example of like, it's a, it's our, our will that could be holding that back from someone encountering Christ in those moments. Wow. And I also think there's so much beauty in just being like, okay, God, like, let me be joyful. Let me be present. And you are those things to those people. Even if you only say two sentences to each other, I believe there's power in that, you know, mm -hmm. and the Lord will use that and the Lord will build on that. And those might just be sowing moments, mm -hmm. you know, in that person's life, but it all adds to this greater story that we are to be priests and the church is to be a blessing unto the world. Wow. Amen. Mm. So we have a few different spaces that we want to talk about spheres mm -hmm. where we can be a priest. And the first one might feel a little unexpected, but I think it's important that we talk about it. How are we a priest in our solitary places mm -hmm. when, when we're alone, when we're alone? Yeah. And not just in our quiet time, but when we're just by ourselves doing anything. Totally. I feel like the quiet time versus like the rest of our time alone is even analogous to like being in the temple space and the rest of the six days. Mm. It's like quiet time takes focus and you're already being intentional and like trying to set aside time for God. But the rest of the time, how do we, you know, view our bodies as this temple that the priests are called to care for and maintain? And there's a lot to that. That's There's very like good. the mental, the emotional, the physical. That's very good. I think we can start off with like even practically what we ingest, whether physically or metaphysically. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. So the word metaphysical. Yeah. I'm thinking for me, one of my most solitary times other than when I'm just asleep mm -hmm. is driving. Yeah. And regularly I turn on a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm a podcaster. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Podcasting. Uh, so, like, that's an opportunity for me to be ingesting something or experiencing something that could be godly, could be not godly, mm -hmm. could be encouraging, could be educational, could be fun, could be anger inducing you know like anxiety inducing whoa like there's a lot of stuff out there that's kind of even geared to bring out those kinds of emotions whoa. i think you know any sort of like paid news outlet can usually yeah inspire those kinds of things for example what just recently happened real time when we're recording this podcast mm -hmm. is there was a large bank that failed in california mm -hmm. and 
some people are freaking out in the financial sector and I could be listening to podcasts that are giving me news about that, that invoke fear mm-hmm. where I'd think, Oh my gosh, like I'm not safe. My money's not safe. <laughs> yeah. But instead what I've done is I've found a financial podcast that like gives me the gist, some of the basics, but the two guys that do it are just really joyful and they're, they end in the positives. They're encouraging. And the thing that they ended with today when they were talking about the bank failure was, um, we're so grateful that we live in an economy where our system works, that Mm -hmm. this massive bank failing, the 16th largest bank in the country just failed. Like our economy didn't collapse because of its failure, because we have safety nets. Like, oh, I'm glad that the podcast I'm listening to ended in positivity mm-hmm. and gratitude instead of fear. Totally. And that's an example of what I'm ingesting and it has nothing to do with church. Like, I'm pretty sure those guys podcast, I mean, I don't know. Those guys podcasting might be Christian, they might mm-hmm. not be, but they're encouraging truth and gratitude inside yeah. of me. Totally. And even with news, like there's a email newsletter called the pour over it's an mm-hmm. email newsletter, right? Yep. And it, it's like put together to be kind of bite size, pretty black and white news bits, but also like kingdom minded and eternally focused. Um, yeah. and that's like you know, just an option. Maybe try that out for a little bit. If you find that the news makes you anxious because yeah, that's good. I, I believe that there is far much better news in the world than mm-hmm. we ever realize too. It's good. Um, I also want to talk about even just we've allowed ourselves to become careless. Mm-hmm. I like that word when we of what we ingest when it comes to media or anything even. And I even think I wasn't thinking about this earlier, but even like throwing on the radio, mm. like, you know, top 30 radio or whatever yeah. country. Sure. It's like you're letting someone just kind of feed you whatever is popular. Wow. And that's not what the Bible says. Like whatever is popular, whatever is high on the charts, think and dwell on these <laughs> whatever things. Whatever is trendy. Whatever is trendy. <laughs> whatever is and, edgy. <laughs> and I also just want to touch on real fast, like like TikTok and Instagram reels even, and anything that is just going to feed you like the next algorithmic thing it's going to think you're going to like. I don't think that is what, I think our minds deserve more intention than that. And I'm preaching to myself too. Um, And so, yeah, so there's one, this kind of, this media and this time when we're alone, but also, you know, we're also in this environment of consumerism and convenience that we often will fill our bodies with food that is not great either, you know? And if we are to be priests of our bodily temple, like we just need to be aware of that. And I'm, again, I am not good at this. Like I'm, <laughs> this is, I am absolutely preaching to myself right now. Um, but I want to be able to be intentional with those things mm-hmm. too, of like, hold this in front of me. And like, is this better for me or worse for me? Will this like make me think clearer or will this make me kind of, you know, no, I mean, it sounds like I'm about to do drugs. I'm like talking more about sugar <laughs> or even <laughs> I'm like, well, this like fuzzy up my mind or yeah. not. Um, I was talking about sugar there just yeah. for the record, like an Oreo or yeah. a handful of almonds. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for, or like a reel on Instagram that 
I don't know. Maybe there's like a funny prankster reel that you're watching where someone is laughing at someone else's expense. And mm -hmm. it's like kind of funny and you find yourself laughing. But at the same time, there's something that just feels inhumane mm -hmm. about it. I think it would be good to step back. Like a friend of mine sent me one of these recently. Be good to step back and recognize like, hmm, I don't know that that qualifies as Paul's words that we have in Philippians 4, 8. It, he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean like funny things don't qualify in there. Oh, totally. But there's different kinds of humor. Mm -hmm. And we need to be mindful about what we're ingesting. Otherwise it's cultivating inside our like own temples, our bodies, our minds, our spirits. It's cultivating a place that isn't Eden. It isn't God's vision for us to live in the kingdom of God. Like we say in Boise as it is in heaven, that's something we're going to get to. Mm -hmm. I also want to say in my body as it yeah. is in heaven, like in my brain as it is in heaven, Lord, help me ingest the things that you want me to ingest so that I become more heaven minded and start to look more like your, mm -hmm. your kingdom. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, the, the enemy loves to mess with us when we're in our alone time, you know? And so like, if you are someone that struggles with, you know, sexual impurity or pornography or all these kinds of things. It's like the alone time that we are most vulnerable to mm -hmm. and need to take even the, even more atten intention. If, um, that is you, if that is us, yeah. you know, uh, just want to say that too. It's not just Good. all almonds and Instagram reels too. It's like, there is an enemy that tries to really manipulate our alone time. And even That's it's good. like, even if it's just, yeah, reading things online that aren't of God or is gossip or, um, dwelling on even memories in your own life that the Lord doesn't mm. want you to just hold on your own. It's like relinquishing that and giving that space to God. Um, such a powerful place. Cause all, I mean, from our innermost self, everything mm -hmm. flows out of, you know? That's so and so true. if there's anything that's going to stop the living waters of Christ, coming out of us in, mm -hmm. in an uninterrupted way. Like may we ask the Holy spirit to identify those things because that, that in fact, that infects and affects mm -hmm. like family and the workplace and the public space, um, which we're going to touch on next. Yeah. That's a good transition. Thank yeah. you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I just encourage you listener. If you're feeling convicted at all, um, there's no shame, only mercy in grace um, in Christ. And also like Jesus says, you know, there's a better way. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it looks like keeping your technology out of your bedroom at night and instead picking up a book. I mean, the Bible would be great. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't have to be the Bible. Totally. There could be other wonderful things that you ingest, um, in your quiet space. And I just encourage you to think, what is the healthy alternative? You know, that's so if we're thing. using like Oreos versus almonds mm -hmm. <laughs> or like, you know, yeah. What, what is the healthy alternative here? Mm -hmm. And yeah, just ask yourself those things in your own quiet space. Um, that's totally. good. No, that's so good. And I don't want any of this to come off convict, like, uh, condemning at all. 
Because seriously, I had a huge bowl of Fruit Loops this morning <laughs> and a little bite of brownie on the way out of the house. So I, I am not, I'm still working on this, obviously. Totally, like I watched too many Instagram reels last night. Mm-hmm. I, I'm convicted of it myself. Yeah, yeah we're, we're in this battle we're, together, friends. Yes. <laughs> but just know that we're all together in it. And I think as long as we're trying, you know, as long as we're making yeah. little steps, it's going to create such a better mm-hmm. community. Amen. At large. Yeah, I, one thing I wanted to say also is that no no thing we do, and maybe this is a good bridge yeah. to the next bit, no thing we do in isolation is ever done in a vacuum, meaning it doesn't affect somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm ingesting something in my alone time, it's affecting the person that I am, the words that I speak, the thoughts that I have when I'm surrounding other people. So one narrative of the world is, oh yeah, you do you as long as it doesn't harm anyone else. Well, I think what Jesus would say to that is, oh, don't just do whatever because it's going to harm you. And that's not, you know, God's vision for your own flourishing and whatever you do, if it's not going to help you flourish, then it's going to inherently start hurting other people. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the quickest people it'll overflow into is your family. Absolutely. That's the second sphere we want to talk about today. Like Mm -hmm. how in your stewarding of your relationship with God and in abiding, how can you be a priest to your family? Yeah. You want to just spitball on that for a second, Jace? (laughs) Totally. Um, This is something that I'm learning now that, you know, my son is almost two and starting to like really either reflect back the things that we say or mirror the things that we do. And it's like, wow, how do we spend our moments when the three of us are together? Um, and actually very fortunately, uh, pastor Brenda and pastor Jordan have been work or Justin have been working on this curriculum of like kind of creating a family altar space at home where you dwell on the things of God and you like, this is really more practical things, but like, you worship together. And right now worshiping with a two year old or, you know, <laughs> one and a half year old does not look very um holy or meditative or any of those things. It's just kind of chasing him around and trying to dance with him and 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 fun. Just engage him with the, that moment. Yeah. Cause I think in the in the future, once he starts to realize the words that we're singing and the actions we're doing or the time we're allotting for praise like it talks about in Proverbs um, when you grow kids up in the ways of the Lord, they will, uh, do you know that, do you know that, that um, proverb? It's like when we train them, train them up in Mm -hmm. like, in his presence, they will like stick with his presence. Yes. That's the paraphrase. uh, Yeah. I don't remember it right off the top of my head. I did write a verse in Ephesians, which is kind of similar. It's like a commandment to parents. Um, Ephesians six verse four, it says fathers or fathers and mothers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like teach your kids the way of God. Mm-hmm. Another way of saying that, like that's a commandment in the Bible and uh, Proverbs says it, I think more poetically and beautifully, but I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly what you're referring to. 
but I, yeah, I think this is, this is just the way you love. I mean, the way you love your, your, Mm -hmm. um, spouse and partner and, and the way you loved your kids is a huge part of being a priest of that. And I love the language that they've used even recently at our Sunday services that now are going over two hours and childcare is only, you know, an hour and 45 minutes long. And it's like, we're trying to find this all this, this balance out. But even if you spend a little bit of time in service, it does not mean you are missing out by leaving and going and taking care of your family. Right. Like God does not end there. Like God, you didn't leave God's presence and now you have to go do the practical thing. It's like you are taking God's presence with you. And did we, do we touch on, or is it the Corey Jones thing where he talked about Mary and Martha? Yeah. In the Corey Jones interview. And did we talk on, touch on that last week? I can't remember. I don't think we did in the podcast. Well, I just want to reiterate what he was talking about. How, um, when Mary was at the feet of Jesus, mm-hmm. Um, and Martha was busy. It's like Mary did the right thing. The one thing that was mm-hmm. important. Right. And just because you have to leave to go get your kids doesn't make you a Martha. You chose the right thing and yeah. are choosing the right thing in your life. And so you are a Mary and choosing the one thing that is important. That's good. Um, I think if you forewent, you know, the, the times with God and the intimate times with the Lord, that you know, Mm -hmm. just doesn't, that doesn't allow the balance between busyness and his presence. Mm. But when we choose his presence, we are choosing the one thing and that presence goes with us Mm. wherever we're going. So I, I I just, I loved what, how he touched on that and thought that was a beautiful way of putting that, that I haven't really heard that. Cause I sometimes have felt even with my job, cause I'm busy on Sundays doing volunteer stuff and all these kinds of things. And I feel like, am I just, am I missing it? Like, am I, wow. am I just Marthying it up out here? And, <laughs> but then if I don't, you know, quote unquote, Martha it up, like people can't marry it up inside. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> what's going on. And so that kind of gave me reassurance that I'm like, just still choosing the one, yeah. the one good thing. I'm really glad you just made the names Mary and Martha into verbs. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I think, yeah. I mean, you said the point. I don't need to reiterate it. I'm just celebrating that um, in you wrapping your kid into that holy space by going to get them, bringing them back in the sanctuary or just going home, Mm -hmm. like continuing to embody Jesus to your children or to your spouse, Mm -hmm. you are remaining at the feet of Jesus. You haven't left unless you have left in your spirit, in which case I, I would encourage you and would encourage myself like how can i remain there even when i leave the walls of the sanctuary totally Mm -hmm. that's so good i also know that this podcast doesn't just go out to parents and couples or whatever like i think within our family this this verse has always been a hard one for me to swallow like right above the verse that, that benjamin read um is ephesians 6 1 children obey your parents in the lord for this is right um, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And yeah. I mean, we know that there's um, not good mothers and fathers out there and, right. and, but there's also, but we're called to honor them nonetheless. Yeah. Like that tension is so hard. And I mean, mm-hmm. praise God. Like, I feel like I have mothers and fathers, a mother, <laughs> I have multiple mothers and fathers. <laughs> I have a mom and dad that I can honor um, so yeah. easily. And I praise God. I'm so grateful for that. But 
it's an, but that's even still not always hard, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, gosh, sometimes that is hard. Yeah. It's, it's not, not always, always easy. easy. Yeah. And I think there, but there's something about this, this promise hmm. in there that like, if you want your family to go well, it's got to like, honor has to be mm. interwoven. That's so, so excellent. Do you have more thoughts on that? I feel like you probably can touch on that a bit more. Than well, it just, it, it applies to all of us in one way or another, regardless of how messy one person's family structure, family unit looks like. Maybe there's a blended family, maybe divorced parents. Um, there's, you know, feuding that can so often happen in families. And that's, I think that's all heartbreaking, like signs of how we live in a fallen world and mm -hmm. we aren't perfect. And in the midst of that, if we know how to honor and to be Jesus to our parents, to our siblings, to our dysfunctional uncle who always rants about that one thing that we don't love at the Thanksgiving table. Mm -hmm. Like if we can be unified in love and honor with our family, um, I think that is maybe where the work of priesthood is really like the rubber's really going to start hitting the road. Mm-hmm. And if we can't do it with our family, we're probably not going to do it well outside of our family because that's a good word. You know, the stakes are higher in our family. We're like more likely to be wounded. I think we're more vulnerable. There's tends to be some kind of like sense of covenant commitment with your family because it's like, Hey, whether you like it or not, you and your brother are blood. My mom always used to say that to mm -hmm. us when we were little kids. Like, stop fighting because you only have one brother. And now, funny enough, we have a stepbrother. But, <laughs> and we love our stepbrother and stepsister. Yeah. Um, but there was, there's this sense that it's true. Like, my brother and I have the same blood flowing through our veins. And that can't be undone. Mm -hmm. And I praise God that we are from the same parents and we have each other. And we also get in feuds and have tension just like any other human relationship. And for me to practice the honor and the love of Jesus in that relationship, even when it looks like humbling myself, laying my life down for him, uh, having really uncomfortable, courageous conversations, like that's when the kingdom of God starts to come in my family as it is in heaven. Yeah. And... Yeah, I like that's reason for mindfulness and intentionality. I I had one bit that, yeah. you know, I do youth ministry. Mm -hmm. And every now and again, um, not really at River House, if I'm honest, do I f see this as much as um, another church that I used to be a part of. But sometimes in youth ministry, it feels like the family drops off the kid, expecting that their teenager is going to get discipled into the way of Jesus by the youth pastors, mm -hmm. by the church. And they don't really have to do that work. Yeah, It's kind of like, oh, I'll drop my kid off at school and the teacher will educate them. Then they come home. My job is to feed them and make sure they go to sleep and get their homework done or whatever. But I'm not their teacher. Um, if, if you as a parent embody that kind of mindset with the discipleship of your child into the way of Jesus, statistics show that that child is way less likely to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, a committed member of the church or an interested follower in Jesus, I think you're five times more likely to remain Christian after high school graduation if 
doing some kind of family Bible study or family prayer was a part of your growing up. Yeah. Um, so I just want to name that too. Like the, so the, the family altar is so significant and that, that call that we get in scripture all over the place to raise your children up in the faith and in the way of God is so real. Like we can see it statistically. I think it's the Barna group that did that study. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, you really are four times more likely to remain a practicing Christian. Just if there's some kind of family altar element in your home. Yeah. Uh, I believe it. It's not fascinating. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I, I, I think I steered us in a different direction than no, we were going, No, no, I mean, but. I think that's all in the same thing. And I think what that even touches on is our culture has really diminished the importance of family and family dinner and all these mm-hmm. like just, but it's like, it's kind of in our, in our DNA to find the things that our family finds important, mm-hmm. important. Like it's, we're impressionable probably most to what our family values are. Um, even in this individual society that like I go off and make my own decision. And it's like, I think if done well, what your family values will leave a very lasting impact yeah. on your children. Yeah. That's my understanding. And I'm also just thinking about like Christian love. Like love is not something that we, um, well, how do I want to say this? It's not always the thing that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't always want to love all of the people that were around him in his flesh would be my guess. Mm -hmm. But like, because his flesh wasn't his master, he chose the love of all the people around him. That's so good. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm trying to dance around these words carefully. Um, Because love is something that I do want a lot of the time. Like I want to love my brother most mm-hmm. of the time because he's just an incredible human and I absolutely adore him. And I think yeah. he's the coolest person that's ever lived. <laughs> but also sometimes loving him is a little hard mm-hmm. and that I choose love for him. Even then I I think because we're family, we're almost a little more um, obligated to love one another. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I think that's kind of a gift because mm-hmm. it's, it's easier in friendships to just write people off and stop talking to people yeah. when conflict arises. Mm-hmm. You can't do that as easily with your family. No. And even yeah. though it still does happen yeah. tragically, um, I think it's kind of a cool gift of God that we're bound to each other in families. And that teaches us, I think the self-sacrificial love of Jesus where I have to lay down what I want and figure out like, wow, how do I choose to love you today? Because we're family and that's what family does. Yeah. You know, that's really good. That's so good. And then if you take that and expound it into like Jesus says at one point, like his brothers and mother are at the door where he's ministering and people say, yo, Jesus, I don't think they use the word yo, but (laughs) (laughs) they're like, yo, Jesus. That's the passion translation. (laughs) (laughs) Your mom and your bros are at the door and he says, who are my mother and my brother except the one who does the will of my father? Yeah. I, I, if I'm remembering it right, I don't mm-hmm. have it right in front oh, of yeah. me. But he says something like that, which he's starting to break the bounds then of what family even is, um, which now we're, we're venturing off our notes. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit trail, but um, like we are brothers, mm-hmm. Jace. 
yeah. in the church. Absolutely. And that's something that makes family more significant, not less significant. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so, that's so yeah, good. Like my Christian duty to my brothers and sisters in the faith is mm-hmm. something that I think we can easily water down because of our like consumeristic Christian culture. Mm-hmm. But in reality, there's like a beauty to the fact that I have a duty to love and serve my brothers and sisters in the faith. This Absolutely. is not all about me. This is about us. Yeah. And this is like, I think even more relevant to people that, you know, don't aren't married yet or are single or have chosen singleness as a way of life. Like, like it's like, this is, this is how, fa- how you become a priest in family is through mm-hmm. the Christian brother and sisterhood. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that. Cause then the like, you know, American, nuclear family two and a half kids with a dog and a white picket fence like that's not (laughs) salvation (laughs) yeah exactly that's not tied to yeah you can so be a priest to other people and your community and church and family Mm -hmm. um without yeah having two and a half kids a dog (laughs) and a white picket fence (laughs) ah the american dream which nothing wrong with that but it's not it's not heaven as no, the not, Bible's dictates. It's it. not biblical either. Yeah, no, it's great, but mm-hmm. it's, it's limited. It's limiting mm-hmm. to the vision of family that Jesus lays out for us. Come on. He didn't have so two good. and a half kids on a white picket fence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know true. if they had white paint back then. He had a dog though, Peter. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. Oh, get wrecked, <laughs> Should we transition to the workplace? Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's it's hard for a couple people that work in the church, but we haven't always worked in the church, or we it's don't true. exclusively work in the church. No, yeah. I've worked <laughs> at a pizza place, and I've worked for a mail carrier and a coffee shop. and Yeah. Yeah. I've worked, I, I've worked at a credit union mm-hmm. as a teller depositing people's checks. I worked as a DoorDash delivery driver oh, yeah. <laughs> during the pandemic. Love that. Uh, residential real estate agent for the last three years. I'm still practicing that. That's a marketplace thing. I, I kept my list limited because I think people would start to judge me if they realized how many jobs I've had over the, <laughs> over the past 10 years. Really? 15 years. Well, well, there's no judgment here from me at least. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. <laughs> You're in good company. But the workplace for you, whatever it looks like, listener, is hopefully a, a space that you've thought of as hmm, like a, some kind of mission field, maybe I don't yeah. know if mission field is exactly what I want to say, but like if you're a priest, then you embody like all of the things of God in that space. Maybe it's a public school and you're an educator and you have the opportunity to care for your students the way that Jesus would care for your students. Mm-hmm. Wow. What an incredible gift and frankly responsibility. Yeah. And you can thwart that responsibility by being a rude teacher that doesn't mm-hmm. encourage the true God-given identity of all your students. Yeah. And even if you're a public school teacher and you can't talk about your faith, like if you're a public school teacher, you shouldn't just talk about your faith in the middle of your lectures in mm-hmm. a history class or whatever, but you can embody all of the goodness of Christ to mm-hmm. all of your students nonetheless. Totally. 
Um, you know, that, that example's on, on the top of my head because my fiance is a math teacher. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think just to start this conversation, I think even um, I had this picture of, you know, the priests way back when in ancient Jerusalem uh, were not, didn't stop being priests once they were like in the outer courts or like left Temple Mount. And mm. I think we have this luxury I mean, they were probably even wearing their garb still, their their priestly garb garments. Um, we have a luxury now where we go to work and our work, our personal life can be completely anonymous for the most part. Hmm. Work often requires us to be different people than we are outside of work. Um, and, but is there a way that you can act and talk and I don't know, work that is yeah. set apart and different so that people might even know that you're a Christian. Wow. And so then, and then that kind of even gives you some accountability. It's like if a priest goes and like, you know, knocks over a lemonade stand on his way from the temple Mount. Like, it's like, <laughs> dude, that priest just knocked over that lemonade stand. It wasn't just this guy, you know, Yeah. it like gives some accountability of like, they, they need to be, uh-huh. are, are to be, um, more like Christ than they are being right now. Wow. Um, and we do actually have the luxury of no one ever knowing that we're Christians. Wow. And that's, I think actually to a detriment of, of even our, um, ability to minister to other people. Wow. That's a fascinating point. Just like a random, that was a a random thought. I would say maybe like the dark underbelly of that thought also could be people might very well know that you're a Christian and here you are not acting like Jesus. And then the world looks at Christianity and thinks, mm-hmm. oh, those are the mean people. Yeah. Or those totally. are the rude people that like hurt the feelings of people who are marginalized in our mm-hmm. world, <laughs> for example. And like, wow. Then, um, not to dive into this biblical conversation, but then you're taking the name of the Lord in vain. You're representing God absolutely improperly you're even i would venture to say like from the um from the lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name may your name be holy if i'm representing the name of god i'm not encouraging the the name of god's holiness Hmm. in the way that i live my life does that make sense yeah maybe i just made kind of a weird theological jump that i would need to unpack further but basically what i'm saying is if i'm walking around life representing christ and people Mm -hmm. know that then i'm defaming the name of christ when i don't represent him properly Mm -hmm. and that is something to be taken very seriously yeah uh and again no shame we've all done it but uh we need to we need to consider life like the name of Jesus is written on our foreheads. Oh yeah. I, th- I think back to last week's podcast, um, Benjamin shared a quote from NT Wright about how we are angled mirrors. Yeah. Is that yep. Uh, like we're like angled mirrors, like towards heaven. And I think the way we ought to be is a pure, clean mirror, you know, mm. that is like, so just immediately representative of God. Um, But what we can do, I think, is either one, dirty the mirror, soil the mirror. Wow. 
or have the mirror tilted in another direction, focus on something else. Wow. And so when they are supposed to be seeing Christ, they're seeing maybe half Christ, half of people magazine or something, <laughs> you know, yeah. or they're seeing half Christ and like someone punching someone else, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's a weird, like then people are kind of confused on where's this line end oh. and begin. And, or maybe they're just, you'd seen not Christ at all. Wow. Just the way your mirror is pointed and, and aligned. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, in our workplaces, may we be people that are, you know, pure vessels, you know, in our, in, you know, even in our fallenness, like pursuing Christ's likeness and so aligned to God that they see heaven being manifest on earth through the reflect, the reflection of our lives. That's excellent. Wow. That's really excellent. I'm glad that you use that image. Yeah. I'm also thinking about one of my favorite quotes of all time is, St. Francis of Assisi, he says, speak the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Yeah. That's such a good quote. Isn't that excellent? Mm -hmm. Which like, dang, maybe your work culture um, is a little bit toxic in that people are always talking about how bad the manager is. Mm -hmm. Oh, my manager does this and oh, they do that. And Oh, like, wasn't that so stupid? Mm -hmm. And then you start to like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, you're just not speaking very well of other people. That's the culture in your workplace. Say you have an opportunity to enter that space and speak gratitude, mm -hmm. speak honor, mm -hmm. speak encouragement. And that doesn't mean that you're not speaking truth. That means you're speaking, like you're pulling the gold out of people, yeah. seeing them the way that God wants to see them. And I think... I mean, if that's done well, it might convict your coworkers totally. and hopefully encourage them mm -hmm. in a more godly direction. And that could t completely change your work environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, your, your team could be encouraged, could be bonded. And I mean, I, that could save people's jobs. That could save businesses sometimes because those, um, you know, toxic gossip, I think, exists in the world all over the place. Oh, for sure. And it's too easy to, I'm, I'm, again, speaking to myself here, it's too easy to just like fall in line mm -hmm. with some of that negative, rude, hurtful language. And I think there's power. There might be even the power of conviction in just staying silent too. Wow. And, quiet and just not engaging. Good. Like that's like sometimes, I mean, cause maybe there, maybe there really isn't a lot of gold in someone <laughs> sure. and like for you to be like puffing someone up could be like a really hard rock in a hard place situation, you know? Mm. Um, and maybe that's just very specific, but I'm just like, I was just thinking like, I think sometimes it's just being quiet mm -hmm. and peaceful that's and good. choosing not to engage in maybe a certain conversation about someone. I also think we have minimized this idea I don't, maybe if we talked about this on the podcast about like we're created to work we look back and wow. part of the priestly duty is to uh like adam and eve fill the earth and subdue it to be caretakers extend the yeah. gardens the god's garden boundaries like to <laughs> cultivate to cultivate and yeah i think um in our society do not minimize the work that you do because i think any work done with by a priest is powerful work that is going to expand the kingdom oh, of God. Yes and, amen. and so even if like, if you're a salesman, if you're a barista, if you're a school teacher, if yeah. you 
take the trash out if you you know sell insurance sell insurance <laughs> clean toilets all these things yeah. it's like the <laughs> work work as if oh what's the i'm gonna about to i was i would almost just quoted this passage that we actually had in our notes that's great um colossians three twenty three. yeah do that bolded bit yeah whatever you do work heartily for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inherent the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I remember thinking of this verse when I was a janitor. Mm-hmm. Loki used to scrub toilets, not even for a living. I was a volunteer janitor, but wow, um, like <laughs> that was one of the most humbling times of my life for mm-hmm. sure. Thinking like, wow why am I spending my time doing this? Mm-hmm. And, but ever since I think I see words like this completely differently mm-hmm. where I'm trying to see the inherent value in work because toilets have to get cleaned. Mm-hmm. Like floors need to get mopped for people to stay healthy. Even yeah. like wiping down handrails in a hospital, which I worked in a hospital at the time was critical to making sure that our patients and our doctors stayed healthy and that the work got done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a long time for me to see that different perspective. And so I might encourage you listener, if you're in a place where you're discouraged thinking that your work doesn't have meaning or value, mm-hmm. meditate on these words. Like how can you work heartily as for the Lord and not for men or women or your boss or whoever else, knowing that you are serving the Lord Christ in your workplace as an insurance broker or as a, software engineer mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I think that's stunning. And you know, it, in some ways it's a little cliche, but I think it's important to bring up. Paul was a tent maker. Mm-hmm. I've been in Corinth in where the public market was. So I've walked right by wow. the place where Paul sold his tents in Corinth when he lived there for a time. And it's just crazy to think about Paul, the greatest missionary Mm -hmm. making tents, like had a day job. Mm -hmm. He labored and sold things that he made with his hands. And in the process had meaningful conversation with the people that were buying tents from him Mm -hmm. and was able to open doors for evangelism and building a church that was thriving and also confused and, you know, Corinth for sure had its challenges and that's why we have the letters that we do. Mm -hmm. Praise God for that. Two of them. Two of them. (laughs) But yeah, like how can you be a tent maker? I want you to think of that. Like, and what is the value in the work that you've done? Because Paul, Paul wrote these words in Colossians chapter three. So he would know what it means to work heartily for the Lord in making an excellent tent. Hmm. Even though he doesn't say that right there. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the last thing is with this angled mirror, we have talked quite a bit about how can you represent God out to the world? And I want to also do the opposite of that, which is how am I representing the world to God in intercession? Mm -hmm. How am I seeing my boss who is struggling in their marriage, for example, and bringing that marriage before the Lord in intercession and saying, Lord, like help this person even if that person doesn't know you or if a coworker is ill, like how can I, how can I be the priest that is on my knees before the Lord for the sake of my coworkers, for the sake of my family members, 
and my mm-hmm. children. Like that's for sure a necessary part of this priesthood bit. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. That's really good. I've shared that on, on this podcast. I've shared on this podcast before that I often will get discouraged about people's situations or news I hear. And I look back at times in my life in different workplaces where I, you know, hear bad news or just see someone like super down. And I've forgotten that prayer is powerful and unlocks heaven in a lot of ways. Wow. And that's a huge, huge part of, yeah, I love the way you said, like bringing the world back to God through intercession. Mm, that's so good. Amen. Praise God. Wow. Should we transition to our last sphere? Yes, totally. The arcade. <laughs> <laughs> I love spending time at arcades. Yeah. Well, Pojos, especially. Yeah. Oh, Pojos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the public space. I mean, those are, are in the public space. Yeah, <laughs> arcades are in the public. But that's our last sphere is the public yeah. sphere. Not work, not your home. Yeah. Everywhere else. Or you're just much. interacting with people that you might know very loosely because you go to Trader Joe's every Sunday at the same time and <laughs> you always see the same cashier mm-hmm. or people that you don't know at all. Yeah, totally. Just yeah. strangers you're walking by or people that you see on the streets. Um, and even we'll get to this, but also a church. Church is a public space too. Yeah. Um, yeah. what are some of these examples of the public space? That yeah. You I, well, I wanted to just briefly bring up a couple stories from the Bible. Like Jesus is walking on an assignment to go heal Jairus's daughter. Um, we're told this story in at least Luke and Mark, I think Matthew also, I don't remember, but, um, Jesus is walking. He has a place to go and it's an important place to go. And, a woman touches the hem of his garment because she's had this ailment and she needs healing. And she has faith that if she'll just touch his clothes, she'll be healed. And Jesus feels the healing power leave his body when she touches his robe. Like such a cool moment. He could have just kept walking. I mean, honestly, the healing was done. Praise God. But no, he wanted to interrupt the moment, even though he was on an urgent task, an extremely urgent task. This girl is dying. And Jesus stops, says, who touched me? Looks at this woman, acknowledges her. Though she's felt like an outcast for at least 12 years to society Mm -hmm. because of this bleeding ailment she's had. And he humanizes her. And says, your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. He, this is a great example of Jesus being interruptible. Like this one really convicts me. Like where in life do I make myself unavailable to be a priest to the people around me? Because I'm not interruptible. Mm-hmm. Like because I'm I running late. Because I haven't created margin in my day. Because I'm stressed out about something that's on my mind. And then the cashier at Albertsons looks like they're having a tough day and I just make it worse Mm -hmm. because I'm trite and quick or whatever. But wow. Um, how can I, yeah, recognize those divine encounters, those holy moments without feeling hurried past them. Um, some of this language is coming to me from John Mark Comer, the ruthless elimination of hurry. Mm -hmm. If you haven't read that book, I would highly encourage it. I love that. I love how you even mentioned like creating margin in your day for Mm -hmm. this. You know, it's like, it's not even like, you know, stopping when you're late. 
it's like having time to stop and being intentional with mm. like, what if you got there five minutes early and either the Lord has someone there for you to speak into, or it's just more time to commune with him. While you were talking, I also had this thought of when we stop, it brings like a quality and dignity to people that get walked by so often. Whoa. I, I, I was like thinking of I mean, even just homeless people. And someone told me um, who works with homeless and I've heard it from other homeless people. It's like even just like to smile at them and wave and acknowledge them is huge. Like so many people like mm. keep their like focus forward because it's like I don't want to make eye contact. It'd be awkward because I don't have any cash on me or I you know don't believe in helping the poor. Um, and just to, just to make eye contact and acknowledge mm-hmm. them like as another human. And I've, I've taken that with me even to other areas where I'm walking on the street or I'm, uh, you know, I see a janitor or I'm at a hotel and like the housekeeping staff is on there. And just to like say, hi, like you're not invisible. Like you're doing an invisible job. Like you're not really meant wow. to be seen, which is another whole problem. Yeah. But like, you know, thank you for what you're doing. Like Whoa. what a, what a gift it is to come back and have my room all cleaned oh my up. Gosh. Like that's so nice. And I think something practical with this, and even like, I find this even in church settings when I'm like, might be on busy, like have like a mission that I'm like, Oh, someone just asked me to go to the lost and how to get this. But someone also just stopped me to do something else. It's like, we are all, all human and want to be acknowledged and want to be loved. Mm-hmm. And what I try to do, or like even view as a test of like where my heart is, but look at where my feet are pointing when I'm talking to people. Oh, good. And I, I forget where I heard this. I wish I could remember and give this person credit, but like you are focused on where your feet are pointing often. Huh. And there's times in like the church lobby, even where I'm like going to do something and I'm talking and I'm stopping to talk to someone and will keep my feet pointed in the direction that, of where I was hoping to go. And then, but it's like so much more powerful and I just become so much more focused. And like I said, give this person, you know, another human, the same dignity as I am yeah. this task that I have. And I don't know. That's just, I felt like I was supposed to share that too. Oh, I love that. Like with your nonverbals, mm-hmm. you communicate, Hey, I value your time. Absolutely. I'm here even bodily. I'm here with you mm-hmm. cause you matter. Totally. And I, for me, it helps someone who is easily distracted to actually just turn and focus and kind of relinquish this like yeah. pull to somewhere else and be like, I am here now. Uh-huh. And I, I, I pray that I'm, I feel like I have been reminded of this out and about too on the street, um, with yeah, people in all kinds of different situations. It's like, where are my feet pointing right now? I don't know if this is from the Lord, but something on my mind is all of the language around God's face being turned from us Mm. or turning toward us, especially in the Psalms. Mm -hmm. Like it's a cry of the human heart to be looked at, Mm -hmm. to be acknowledged, even eye contact. Oh my gosh. And for that acknowledgement to come from heaven is my deepest cry. Mm. And it's in, it's all over the Psalms. If you don't know, read the Psalms and you'll find it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Psalm 13, you could start there. Like, turn your eyes not from me, Lord. Or like, when will you turn back to your people? And that's that's a metaphor to say, (laughs) I mean, it's a metaphor and maybe it's kind of literal too. Mm -hmm. Like, when will you give us your attention? Mm -hmm. When will you see our our difficult situation? Um, And to recognize that that's not just your cry in some seasons, that's a human cry. 
Um, who in the public sphere, who in your life is crying for a face of compassion to be mm -hmm. torn, turned towards them? That and is so good. How can you do that? Isn't that wild? That is so from the Lord. I feel like that is in that kind of applies to every single one of these categories. Yeah. You know, I think so. It's like, mm. I mean, I think I even especially like with family too. It's like our kids, like all they are worried about are two people's attention right now. Yeah. That's all they want. Yeah. And, and, and I, I shared with Benji when I was, um, had just had Zakai, I was like holding Zakai in one arm and like on my phone in the other. Yeah. And like in Zakai, just looking back at me and I'm just looking at my phone. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is crazy. Like when wow. I could just be delighting in Zakai right now. Um, yeah, that has hit me hard. And even now it's like, he just wants our attention, you know? Yeah. Like, Hey, this, look, this, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's what all he says now <laughs> or help, help. If you just can't do something. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And then w with our workplace, it's like, there are people I'm sure, yeah. um, I've worked in places that have tons of people that, I just completely pass mm -hmm. by or acknowledge the two people that I've talked to and become friends with. Um, but everyone else, I don't even look out of them. Yeah. That's such a good word. That's, That's powerful. And, and there's, I'm thinking of a handful of biblical examples too, where like there's the beggar named Lazarus and then the rich man that walks past Lazarus every day and does mm -hmm. nothing for him. It's like in that scenario, this guy named Lazarus is the overlooked one. And that's supposed to be convicting to all of us who overlook humans with names and faces and mm -hmm. hearts that matter because God loves them. Yeah. And like, there's a blind dude named Bartimaeus who's just screaming for Jesus's help. Like, I'm cry just thinking about it. I don't know why. Mm. Um, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd is telling him to shut up. And he says, don't bother the teacher. And Jesus hears his cry and turns and he says, bring the man to me. I want, I want to give my mm -hmm. attention to him right now and ask him what he wants and how can I help him? Like that's the heart of God. And if I can embody that heart for all of the people in the world who are crying for the son of David, even if they don't know that they're crying for the son of David, you know, yeah. maybe it's in drug abuse. Maybe it's in, I don't know. <laughs> All kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. I could open a few different cans of worms right now, but I think people are longing for belonging, for love, for acknowledgement all around us. And with Jesus living inside of us as temples of the living God, we have the opportunity to give them the acknowledgement that they're looking for, at least in some capacity yeah. and to point them towards Jesus. Not that we're the savior, but that we are the vessel of the savior that mm -hmm. can point them in the direction of the one yeah. who will fill their deepest desires and needs. I like, I love that. I just feel the weight of that. Mm -hmm. Whether you're in a grocery store or, or even like one thing that we could talk about too is in the virtual space, mm -hmm. like on Facebook in an election cycle, there's become this kind of cliche thing to talk about like political rants on Facebook. Mm -hmm. It's like, how are you, how are you being the compassionate follower of Jesus in that space? Yeah. Um, here's a quote from, 
First Timothy, I think, one of the Timothys, chapter two. First of all, then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. It's like, that's Paul's instruction to us for how we're to engage with politics. <laughs> I, I believe that too. Like in prayer, mm -hmm. peacefully, quietly, with dignity in God. Perfectly. Like, is that the way that I or we have embodied our interaction with politics in the public cyber square? Yeah. Twitter? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't have a Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Instagram. All you need all of social medias. Yeah. Yeah. Is there like this this air of like peace and yeah prayer and supplication and no, it's not. It's like this. This is wrong. This is bad. I hate this. You're the worst. Yeah. All these kinds of things, and it's, that's a really different view of wow. social media than has been modeled recently man it's easy to be hateful in the cyberspace because you don't have the eyes of the person that you're talking to to look at mm -hmm. for the compassion in your heart to be compelled out hmm. yeah and like what you just talked about like the the eyes are you know turn your face towards me mm -hmm. um like that's so important. And so it's like, that's probably not the place to have those conversations then maybe, probably you know? not. <laughs> maybe that's what we're getting at. Maybe it's just a hard out. Like, <laughs> um, because yeah, like are, how are you, how is your face being shown or like Christ's face through yours in that, in that space? It's good. Yeah. If you're going to have a big political rant, maybe have it with a person who thinks differently from you at a coffee shop. And also do some really intentional listening yeah. to their perspective and see where you can find common ground. Absolutely. And I think in that process, the best work of politics, like the best work will be done in the political space, mm -hmm. which will be to unify us over the things that matter. Hmm. Another sphere, I know we're running low on time, so we should start to land the plane. And I've gotten kind of, all over this place, but no, it's good. Um, I mean, as a sports fan, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that applies to a lot of people. Yeah, totally. Like I love to go to Boise state football games. Mm -hmm. So much fun, so much energy. Like there's so nothing fun. like, cause you're, you're joining in. You're all, all your stories, all 30,000 of your stories have a line <laughs> in this one moment to watch a bunch of 18 year olds throw a, a pigskin around. <laughs> like it's, it's a very cool thing. It I is. love it. It's really special. But and it can turn like <laughs> toxic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I remember, uh, I think it was, was it Air Force or TCU? I think it might have been TCU that beat Boise State on the blue. And it was the first loss that we had had in years and years in mm -hmm. our home stadium. Yeah. And I was devastated. Oh, yeah. And there was something from that that actually, I'm just going to be transparent, it actually made me really strongly dislike all of the players and coaches associated with 
Texas Christian University. Like mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I found this hatred welling up inside of me for TCU. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. Like we were just playing a game. Yeah. I, I wasn't even playing the game. I was just watching people <laughs> that I didn't even know totally. that I'm cheering for mm-hmm. play a game against other people that I don't know. Keyword game. Game. Yeah. <laughs> like we're not at war with Texas Christian. No. You know? We're not at, yeah, we're not at war <laughs> with San Diego State. Right. Like it's just a literal game. And why does it sometimes like bring such dark feelings out mm-hmm. of me? Or like, I, I, I don't know, I've seen fans sometimes get in really heated, brutal arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's because like substances have been involved um, Absolutely. in the stands and they even getting violent. Uh, I, I think like, <laughs> I, yeah, it's like, I think it's all, it's all great. It's all fun and games, literal games <laughs> to engage with this and enjoy this community thing where we're all cheering and all this stuff. And it's yeah. okay to feel, you know, sad and disappointed or frustrated at a certain outcome. But I think when our language um, starts to reflect that of the world, we are no longer um, able to be identified as priests out there, you know? And so like yeah. if a ref makes a bad call, I don't know if it's in our wheelhouse to be yelling at this ref Hmm. um in a way that is to bring him down like call him names use um really coarse language i i was really saddened this last season when um you know the ref had to be kind of told where his security detail was at right after the game because everyone was so mad at the ref and i'm like again a game (laughs) but there is actual like verbal and physical threats being made to this person yeah and that is absolutely not the way of jesus oh goodness no and i i just i pray that we as believers we as river house can be a just another just a third way of engaging in the public sphere that just is you know even like what you said about um our leaders like quiet and peaceful, you know? Yeah. And doesn't mean you can't have fun. Doesn't mean you can cheer. doesn't mean you can't get, um, you know, into it at all, but there's gotta be a way that we look different than the Mm -hmm. world. And I have been guilty of looking just like the person next to me that I know for a fact doesn't follow Jesus. Wow. Yeah. So I think these have been some good thought experiments. Like, I would challenge you listener even to pause the podcast or when it's over, just think what are other spheres of my life where I need to remember my role as a priest. Mm -hmm. And if I really lived like a priest, how would that change the way that I interacted with that space? So good. Does it change the way that you go to a basketball game? Does it influence the way that you, um, I don't know. Get your dry cleaning done. Maybe you're really frustrated with the way that your shirts have been pressed lately. <laughs> I mean, does it influence the the um, movie you choose to go see at the theater? Wow. Or yes. The concert you choose to go to. Yes. Or the <laughs> podcast you choose to listen to as well. Yeah. The way you choose to spend a Friday night with your family. Mm. The games that you interact with. Card games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The music you listen to. We should play games that are for humanity. Got cards not against for humanity. humanity. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, and I think yeah, 
how we engage with politics is something that I want to unpack a lot more in this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that can often be one of the most heated spaces that pulls us out of our awareness of Mm -hmm. our priesthood pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, we'll table that for now, but more to come there. And I think maybe as a, as a closing point, part of representing the world back to God, like I said, is praying for your coworkers, for your boss, for your family. Mm -hmm. Also, we have this incredible ability to pray for people that we'll never know. Mm -hmm. As priests in this world, I can pray and actively pray for Ukraine, Mm -hmm. for the atrocities that are taking place in North Korea, Mm -hmm. and believe that my God is good enough He'll actually like hear the cry of my prayer about a place that I'll never go and people I'll never meet and do something. Yeah. Um, not that God needs my prayer to do anything, but that he hears me and those prayers matter, I think is significant. So if you ever become numb to the fact that you have the ear of the one on the throne of all of the universe yeah. from everlasting to everlasting, then like allow these words to just like shake you up and remind you of that incredible fact that God gives us the dignity of being involved with the fate of reality through prayer. That's a good word. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. So thanks for that reminder. I love that. Well, thank you for tuning into the deep waters podcast. (laughs) We could go down all of these conversations much. I know I'm like, we're, we're like an hour and 10 minutes in, but I'm like, we could literally go for so long on all this. (laughs) I want to personally, but yeah, um, me too. We'll, we'll save it for another time. Yeah. I think this hopefully has been enough to stir up some good thoughts for you. Listener. And yeah, just leave you with that question. What are spheres or places in your life where you could be more of a priest and how will that change the way that you live? I'm going to ask myself that now. Mm -hmm. Come on. Come on. That's good. Somebody. Well, (laughs) join us Sunday service at 4 p.m. at the Vineyard Boise. Mm -hmm. This has been a production of Riverhouse Church. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and maybe I haven't ever said this, but if you want to share this podcast, do it. Please do. Like share it with people. Um, We're still kind of a young, small little project. And I don't know that all that many people even know that we exist. So Mm -hmm. if there are other people in your house church or whatever that um, you think would benefit from this podcast, feel free to send it along and write a review that helps other people find this. Not that we're, you know, trying to become famous. No. Yeah. But just want these conversations to be helpful. Absolutely. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And if you want to reach out to us, please email us at deepwaters at riverhouseministries.com. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have uh, complaints, it's rockharbor.com. Just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. Totally kidding. That was some playful joking. Um, we love Rock Harbor. Um, we do. We love Rock Harbor. Absolutely. Great. Anyway, we love you guys. We hope you have the best weekend. And.